0: Welcome to Calvary Conversations. I'm Sean LePage, the Ministry Studies Chair and Assistant Professor here at Calvary University. And my guests today are my fellow Calvary Conversations hosts. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. We are here. Very good. Well, we've got Dr. Mike Dodds, Director of the CU Press and uh, Ministry Studies Professor. Tim Hange, TESOL Coordinator and Assistant Professor of English. And then Joshua Paxton, Director of the Burnham Center for Global Engagement and an Associate Pastor of Intercultural Studies. It's great to have you guys with you. me today. Um, we are going to do something a little different today. I want to have a conversation about Christmas. Now, I'm unapolog- unapologetic on this. Uh, as a Christian, I have always been and always will be fascinated and amazed by Christmas and by Christmas I mean the incarnation of Christ and so uh, I I don't want to stop talking about it I'm not going to stop talking about it so uh, I've invited these these guys to come and and have a conversation with me about this so you guys you guys agree with me on this that we should we should be talking about this all the time oh yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not a leading question at all but uh, um, anyway so uh, as as we approach the celebration of christmas here in 2021 um, and i think you know in the midst of a time that in in many ways is just as broken and chaotic as the time into which jesus was born um, what aspect of the christmas story the incarnation do you think provides the most encouragement and hope uh, as we uh, as we sort through the issues of our own time. Anybody jump in there?
1: I read an article recently about the very things you were just mentioning there, Sean, that uh, Christ came into a world that was chaotic. Uh, the events that surrounded his life, Herod looking for him, but with mixed motives to try to destroy him and then killing all the babies there in uh, Bethlehem. Um, you know, it is them fleeing for their lives to Egypt. You know, so we, we, we uh, celebrate the God-Man, and we can't overemphasize the humanity or overemphasize the deity aspect. It's combined together, but yet, uh, just him ad- identifying with us in our humanity. I'm teaching through in our Sunday school class, teaching through Hebrews, and we've we've we have gone through chapters four and five where. Jesus is the perfect high priest because he became one of us and, and just he was tempted as we are yet without sin. And he suffered as we suffered, though not a one for one. You know, he didn't suffer like a 21st century person, but he suffered more than what we could ever experience with life. And so he understands us. And that's the significance of the incarnation. That When we go to him seeking his grace, Hebrews 4:16, in time of need, he says I, I understand and here's my grace for you because I've I, he's the author and perfecter of faith so he's the perfect one for us to look to as we're living life now
0: That's that's great. I was just I was just talking about something similar with with some students this week, you know, how, how do we keep from uh, you know, growing weary and 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 giving up, you know, and losing hope and and you know, Hebrews 12 says Fix your eyes on Jesus, as you said, the author and perfecter of our faith. And and uh, and so I I just I just think, you know, uh, his example to us um, in those things is 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 enormous. So, uh, Tim or Josh, anything to add there?
2: I think one of the most um, significant things for me is the the continued realization that God always makes the first move. Hmm. throughout throughout the Bible as we you know as we read it we see you know in creation he makes the first move in uh meeting with Noah and Abraham and Moses and every story you know every single story throughout there there's there's never this, Uh, I'm going to go, you know, the person is going to find out and reach out to God first, but it's always God who is initiating the relationship. He is the one who's stepping out and taking it upon himself to initiate the relationship with us. And and we see that reflected as well in the incarnation where, you know, first century Israel, they're going about their lives, they're doing everything and and boom um you know god initiates that relationship the angels come they make their prophecies the baby is born uh he's always the one who makes the first move and so you know, whatever this you know, whatever may, else may be going on in life we know that you know god desires that relationship with us so much so that he is willing to take the first step. He's he's not waiting for us to respond, but he's gonna take the first step. He's gonna send Christ into the world. He's gonna initiate that relationship uh, so that we can be restored to him.
0: That's
2: mm-hmm. his he seeks us. You know mm-hmm. that I'm I'm the missions guy, right? What do missionaries do? We go, we seek, right? He he's a missional God. He seeks that relationship with us.
0: Mm. Great reminder, great reminder, you know, and I think there, I know at least at one time there was a lot of emphasis on the seeker, the person who was seeking God, but really uh, he's the true seeker, he's, he's the only seeker, the rest of us, uh, you know, the Bible says uh, are going in the other direction, or are not seeking him, uh, but right. he seeks out us, and uh, it's a great reminder, Josh, that, that he's, he's always the initiator, right? Mm-hmm
3: for me um the incarnation the, the, so the the christmas story when you when you say it at its surface it's the beauty of 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 a story right of of a of a of a powerful story is that it can at once be expressed very simply but at the same time there is a lot of depth under the surface right god came to this world as a man he sent his son as a child uh to to grow, uh, to live among us, to die for our sins, and to be raised again. This is, you know, the basic story of the gospel, the basic story of Christ, but there is so much under the surface, and yet what I'm always drawn to at this time of year, my favorite Christmas reading is actually John 1, um, I and the part that really just sends chills up my spine uh, is the the passage, and I don't have it in front of me right now, but you know he came to his own but his own received him not but to as many as received him to them he gave power to be called the children of god um that that message right there is the first thing on john's mind when he talks about what does it mean like what does christ's redeeming work do for us it gives us the power to call to be called the children of god and now i do have this one up here galatians 4 Uh, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a child. We often talk about a relationship with God and how important that is, but do we really grasp that that's that's a that that is that is a relationship of a loved child, and mm-hmm. that's the whole point? Like, for me, everything else, uh, justification, um, uh, substitutionary atonement, all of that is super important, and we find that described in other passages, uh, obviously, too. But that sits within this initial extension of God ex- extending sonship and daughtership. To sinful human beings through the work of his son, that is that's what blows me away at this
0: time of year. Good that's, it's very <clears throat> it's very good. I, th- I liked uh, what you said about you know would you, you, you say your favorite Christmas passage was John one? We don't normally think of John one or or what do you say Galatians four four as you know we, we don't read those Christmas stories, uh, you know, typically uh, culturally. Uh, We tend to focus on Luke 2 with the shepherds being visited by the angels and everything. But but actually, I I agree with you that I I love the passages where the apostles and the writers of the New Testament were wrestling with the implications of what happened there. You know, like I I love uh, Philippians 2, where uh, in a very practical teaching moment, you know, Paul is talking about, um, how we should have a certain attitude. Uh, he says this in Philippians two five, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So he's teaching very practically to the church, you know, and telling the church, you know, how they can be one minded and, 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 you know, work together for the progress of the gospel. Uh, but in the midst of that, we get this great, uh, statement about what Christmas, what really happened at Christmas, um, he says have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus who although he existed in the form of God did not regard equality with God a thing to be cr- grasped but emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men and and so and that's you know that's christmas that's talking about the incarnation and and the fact that Jesus knew that we couldn't get to him we couldn't repair our relationship with him and get to him. We couldn't fix it ourselves. He, he had to come and fix it if it was going to happen. And he, so he chose to become a mm-hmm. servant. So, so I, I just, and, 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 of course, John one is, is so rich. It starts with, starts in the same place Genesis starts, right? It's in the beginning and just really uh, identifies who, who we're talking about here. This is, this is not just a, a great man or a great teacher, but God mm-hmm. himself. Who came into our predicament and and solved it,
1: you know? Yeah, and, and Tim, as you were talking about it, John one, you know, here the focal point. There, he's got a chiasm, a Hebrew poetic structure. The center of the chiasm is right, as you were saying, Tim, right there. The response. John says this person coming into the world uh, entails a response from people. Some don't respond correctly, but. Those who respond become children of God, and and so that's, you know, you know we proclaim and we worship and we praise, uh, but not all people respond as God wants us to respond as He came. And we should be burdened and uh, challenged by that to present the gospel. Yep. Call for response.
0: I appreciate that, Mike, and it's actually related to my next question, and that is essentially, you know, as as you think about. Um, the, the, the Christmas passages and, 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 um, and just the, the whole, um, understanding of, and the, and the doctrine of the incarnation, um, where does, you know, what, what is that response supposed to be? What, what direction in life, mm. you
1: know,
0: what, what direction does it give us for how we should live our lives, uh, today? You know, so like we, we, we often talk about celebrating Christmas all year long. Mm. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's good. That that's accurate, you know. Uh, but what is that? What does that look like for us to to respond to Christmas? To respond to the incarnation all year long? What do you guys think?
3: I would this, point to Matthew eleven twenty eight through thirty, uh, because I think that this is um, a passage that is often misinterpreted as a passage of like comfort. Uh, it is a comforting passage. But, uh, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Okay, that sounds good. Take my yoke upon you. That sounds less interesting. is <laughs> um, big, heavy yoke, right? and And learn from me. And then if we think about what we're reading there, that should sound strange to us. because what does the yoke have to do with uh, learning, right? isn't a yoke about working and 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 plowing ground. It is. But it was also used as a training tool for older and more experienced ox to um, actually even bear more of the burden of a younger, uh, you know, less experienced ox. And um, he bears more of the burden., uh, he bears uh, he he walks the path and trains the younger ox. He has more of the control, right? So we are invited into this yoke to learn from Christ because he is gentle and humble in heart, and we will have rest for our souls. And if I were to paraphrase what this passage means to me, it says, life is hard, and you can (laughs) either bear a yoke alone, or you can let me come into the yoke with you, and we're going to bear it together, and I'm going to teach you, but I'm going to do it in a gentle and a humble way. And this is how you live your life. And in doing, in living your life this way, you'll find rest for your souls and tying this to the Christmas passage of, I, you know, in Isaiah, or, you know, we think about this passage, uh, in the incarnation, uh, he had no former majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man mm-hmm. of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Um, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our star our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Now, yes, that this this is also about Christ's work on the cross. But it was more. Look, look at Christ's. I mean, when I th- I think about this, I remember Christ every time a student disappoints me, and I think, oh, if only I were a better teacher. Mm-hmm. Well, Christ also got rejected constantly. Uh, I mean, this is Christ Himself giving the message, right? Uh, you know, being rejected by people, people misunderstanding him, misreading him, and and so, you know, Christ's example and willingness to teach with me in the yoke and bear that burden of life with me, is is really how that working out of the incarnation,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, how the incarnation works out and plays itself
2: out in my life.
1: Yeah, I think
2: um, the real key there you already mentioned, Sean, is is in in Philippians. Um, And that whole, you know, that whole section, the kenosis passage is is introduced by Philippians 2-3, which tells us to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than ourselves. And the incarnation is a clear demonstration of God, the Son putting others, in this case, us, um ahead of his his comfort his you know his we have to be careful there in talking about it he didn't lay aside his deity obviously uh but you know he he left heaven he gave up you know something he gave up some you know some comfort in being there he came down and he entered uh you know into uh, a sweaty smelly flesh sack uh in order to do in order to take on humanity something that he hadn't done before and you know the ultimate act of of putting other people you know namely all of humanity other people's needs ahead of his own needs and that is something that let's just face it we're not very good at in our culture today uh, we're we're not very good in in Western culture of putting other people's needs ahead of our own, and yet that is the demonstration that we have in our Savior coming to coming to Earth, and so that requires a great deal of humility on our part, recognition of the needs of others, and and how can I be a servant to them, whatever the situation may be. Um so
0: you know, as you talk about that, Josh, I think about what Jesus said, you know, that people would know we are his disciples, uh, not by our evangelism programs or our beautiful buildings or whatever, but but by our love for one another, you know. Yeah. And 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 that passage, you know, in context, he's he's writing to the church and basically, you know, telling them to get with it, you know, they're 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 a good church, but but there, there are some divisions there and there's and obviously there was a lack of that that, you know, considering you know, a lack of that attitude. He's telling them to have this attitude. So it must have been lacking, you know, just the, the idea of considering others needs more important than your own and just a, a lack of servant mindedness in the context of the church. And I'm just I'm just an advocate for the local church that if we are doing what we should be doing in house. Then we're going to have a tremendous impact on the world. So I, I pre- appreciate you re-emphasizing that,
1: mm-hmm. uh, Mike. Anything to add there? Yeah, Christ came as a suffering servant. You know, so he models for us. Your your question, Sean, earlier made me think of uh, Paul's comments. That how do I respond to the incarnation? How do I live it out? I I walk by the Spirit. You know, that that whole concept of you know Galatians five, you know, the fruit of the spirit, and then walking in the spirit, and Ephesians one um, or Ephesians four verse one, where he says, "Walk worthy of the calling." It's a daily life, and I, I think for m- most Christians, my experience personally, as well as hearing others, is what does that mean? Um, we we take our relationship with Christ and live it out like we do with other people, and hope God will send us a text message when we need to know what to do or uh, an email so we can sit down and digest. And yes, we go to his word and we, we hear his truth and we live it out and we have to live life. But that daily thing, I, I that's a hard thing for us to 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 grasp. What does that mean? It sounds too mystical, but yet there is that daily walking by the Spirit, living in relationship with Christ that we need to live out and and, and we need to understand what does that mean? Well, Lord, give me your word. You know, how do I keep from sin? Well, your word I've hidden in my heart because the spirit uses that. And uh, so I, I, I think living out the incarnation, I mean our relationship with him. I don't want to be mystical with those words, but I have to do that every day. I have a relationship with Christ and I want to glorify him here and for eternity. And, and that. Takes being in His Word for sure, but then uh, responding moment by moment and keeping that Christ focus, I guess,
0: hard to do. Yeah.
1: But essential. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. G- Great answer to my question. You know that how do we do this all all year long? You know, it's the answer is not just you know leave your Christmas tree up all year long or or your Christmas lights on your house. You know, the the, the answer is a daily walk with the 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 god who uh showed us how to to do you know i i love the the term i know it's 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 uh, potentially misused in places but i love the term incarnational ministry you know to to uh to th- think of ourselves ourselves in terms of you know being the 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 body of christ in a particular place and time and um you know that's a, that's a, that's celebrating Christmas. That's that's a genuine celebration of Christmas, and uh, we we can uh, definitely and should be doing that all year long. Which which brings me to my final question here, and uh, that's how uh, that's the, the question of how can we celebrate, uh, you know, as we as we're just uh, a, a day away or so from Christmas Eve. Um, what suggestions do you guys have for people as they seek to to have a truly Christ-centered Christmas celebration? I know I, I know my family, you know, it, we, we do get caught up in the in the cultural stuff and in the the, the, the materialism of our uh, Christmas celebrations. Uh, so, what, what suggestions do you guys have for um, Christians who genuinely want to to keep Christ at the center of their Christmas celebrations?
1: I was going to say, Sean. I I mean to say something to you about all the Santa Clauses on your office door. No, i <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. I know that's not true. I'm just being silly. Cultural stuff here.
0: <laughs> that's funny.
1: What do you How do
0: you how do you guys do this? You know, with your own families. How do you keep Christ at the center of the celebration?
3: My children are grown, but when they were here, uh, we had. Uh, little, uh, short little readings and um, along with a, a Christmas carol. And I, so I play guitar. So we would always, you know, I would always just play, you know, they they would choose a favorite Christmas song and I would play that uh, as well. And, um, but the, the, the readings, I think doing any kind of uh, litur- liturgy or ritual that involves a kind of an Advent reading, uh, you know, especially when you're reading from scripture or you're reading, uh, you know, from people who are, really focused on, on, on the right message, obviously, uh, is, is very helpful in redirecting our thoughts. Um, personally, I think it it, it does really help like asking ourselves these very questions, like these questions you brought up today, Sean, are the kinds of things that reflecting on them can, can really enrich our, uh, what does the incarnation mean to me? How does it impact me? How does it affect me? Um, and I'll tell you that this particular Christmas, it's been odd for me because, you know, I've told my wife, I'm just so incredibly thankful. Like I'm walking around every moment, incredibly thankful. And it's all tied back to the incarnation and what Christ has done. And I, I told her Christmas feels way more like Thanksgiving when you, when you really consider what, what has happened and what has been offered to us. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, I think anything that we can do to, and I don't mind, I mean, i we watched the, the Grinch movie last night, you know, with, you know, my, my little foster granddaughter and had a great time. And those those things are fun. But, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to, to, you know, to say that those things don't have their place. But I, I think we need to be intentional about redirecting our thoughts and anything we can do, music, Advent readings, to do that, um, to direct it to what's most important about Christmas, we should. Yeah.
0: Good, good.
2: What else? Well, we watched two different versions of A Christmas Carol last night. The best two versions of A Christmas Carol that have ever been made.
3: Don't say Muppets.
2: (laughs) The Muppets. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yes. No, and the Uh, best, the top, the number one version of A Christmas Carol that has ever been made, Mickey's. Oh. (laughs) So, goofy as Jacob Martin can't get past it, so uh you know for for us i guess it's it's probably a lot of the things that a lot of believers do you know we read the christmas story and you know reminding reminding our kids that while christmas is fun and we have a tree and we have presents and all of those things that the real reason why we celebrate christmas is because god sent his son um and not just the not just the act of the incarnation and the sending of his son but everything that comes out after that as well right christmas is you know the the incarnation is not the end it's it's the beginning of of the story and and so you know even in sharing the christmas story reminding reminding our kids and reminding ourselves that everything that came after that is significant as well and and it's because of everything that came after that even you know be a little careful with my language, maybe, but be, because of all of that, because of the cross, because of the resurrection, that the incarnation really has meaning for us. Right. Um, and so just reflecting on reflecting on everything, the, the total package. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the, the consistency of traditions we have around Christmas are good. You know, if we have developed, definitely, like Tim, you were saying, you, you always read the Christmas story. And I think that's a practice of many Christian families. Uh, the nativity scene and hiding baby Jesus until Christmas Eve or, you know, that's what our family did. I, I, mo- I moved Jesus, Mary, and a donkey closer to the manger every day, and they had to go find him every morning. Um, our, our kids are all old and our grandkids are are out of the home. And so our grandkids are coming now. And, and just... Some of the things that we look at, we look at our house at times at Christmas, and Sean, you were saying, you we know, don't get sucked in culturally. I don't know that but we definitely want to have Christ in, in Christmas, but yet there are some things that we do that are just very cultural. And some of it seems a little kitschy at times, but but the uh, the, the grandkids look forward to that. You know, there, there's some mystery with it. And so it, I think family traditions have a good thing, but trying to make sure we're focusing on Christ. One thing my wife Uh, had an idea uh, four or five, six years ago after our kids were out of the home. So it was a grandkids thing is on the Christmas tree, we intentionally started collecting ornaments that spoke to the incarnation, spoke to the Christmas story and those that we had. So every year and and my my oldest grandson, you know, he came last year and he said, aren't we going to do that this year too? So I was sort of surprised at 14 years old that we're going to do something around the Christmas tree. But what it is, I find verses that talk about an ornament and and it relates to the Christmas story somehow. so those those traditions are good, and, and it's our incumbent upon us for our children to and grandchildren now to, to fo- keep focusing on Christ. so it's good stuff there.
0: that's great. I, I, I think um, <clears throat> you know it's a good balance to say, I mean, personally, I, I like to not. Uh, derail or or, or deride uh, our cultural stuff too much you know even you know you joking joking about santa claus or whatever but you know I, <laughs> I i don't i don't like to do that because i think it it's counterproductive you know it just makes you seem like an old scrooge or something um when in reality we can we can focus on the greatness of what really uh you know of the incarnation and you know uh, what we do on december 25th has little bearing on, on, uh, the rest of our lives, you know, in a sense. Um, but, but that incarnation as we've, as we've talked about today is, is at the center of our faith, you know, and, and it should impact, um, the way we think and live. And so, uh, we do, we do a lot of the same stuff as well, you know, the cultural stuff and, and, uh, we like, we like, uh, various Christmas movies. And, and one of the things we like to do, uh, and we do it, we do it every christmas eve now is we watch the a movie called the nativity and it's uh it's a pretty well done um uh, adaptation of of the you know the bible stories about joseph and mary and a lot of a lot of uh license you know was taken with the with you know reading between the lines and all that kind of stuff but um you know we we use that we uh, as our kids have have grown, we we tend to have a conversation about that about that movie, or even the other movies that we that we watch, where we're you know we're saying, okay, what's you know what's accurate here, what's not you know, and and what's you know a creative license and all that kind of stuff. But what uh, what uh, is is valuable? What what what? How does this help us to to really um, focus on Jesus and? And uh, celebrate well, and and we we've we've gotten a lot out of that. But uh, but also, you know, just being sure to, as you guys have mentioned, you know, doing some reading and having conversations, and I, I think it's good to, you know, just have conversations and and help help our families uh, process, you know, um, the cultural stuff versus you know the biblical stuff. Um, <clears throat> in church, last week we. I, I had a conversation, I, I led a conversation and it just started with, you know, where, uh, where in the Bible do we, do we see anybody celebrating Christmas, you know, and, and what can we learn from their example? And, and I'll, I'll just kind of conclude things there. We're out of time, but you know, uh, when you, when you, it, it's really, it's, it was a, it was a fascinating discussion. I didn't know exactly what everybody would talk about, but, but, um, you know, uh, I think it really did help people to to think. You know, first of all, we're not commanded anywhere to celebrate Christmas. That's not a that's not a biblical mandate. But but uh, we, you know, there were people celebrating the the incarnation of Christ, and there and there were and there were lots of answers to the question. You know, how how did the first how was the first uh, Christmas or the incarnation celebrated? Uh, you know, in the in the scriptures and and, and uh, several things. You know and uh, uh, you know, like just looking at the shepherds, they went and told everybody what they had seen and and uh, they 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 w- went around glorifying god and 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 praising God and the and the angels saying glory to God in the highest, you know so um it really, a, a lot of it is is simply worship. And so uh, as we close out this conversation, I just want to encourage uh, everybody who's listening to, to, uh, to make it an act of worship to celebrate Christmas and, and to, uh, to just have conversations and, and go back to the biblical record and, and really um, just, um, you know, there's a, there a Jewish writer who said that much of what the Bible demands of us is to remember. And so I think uh, Christmas is a great time uh, to, to remember what Jesus has done for us in the incarnation and uh it literally you know changed everything and uh in combination with his his death and resurrection um you know it, it is it is uh, beyond compare uh it's the greatest story ever told so uh thank you gentlemen uh, i really appreciated your your insights today and your suggestions and And um, so I thank you for joining us, and I thank you, uh, listener, for for joining us for this conversation. And we just pray that you would have a wonderful, Christ-centered Christmas. Amen.
2: Thank you for joining us for this edition of Calvary Conversations, a service of Calvary University in Kansas City, Missouri. We invite you to participate in the conversation by contacting us through the Calvary University website, calvary.edu, or by calling us at 816-322-0110. Join us again next week for another Calvary Conversation.